The Holy Gospel according to St. Luke. Now, as they went on their way, he entered a certain village where a woman named Martha welcomed him into her home. She had a sister named Mary who sat at the Lord's feet and listened to what he was saying. But Martha was distracted by her many tasks. So she came to him and asked, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to do all the work by myself? Tell her to help me. But the Lord answered, Martha, Martha, you are worried and distracted by many things. There is need of only one thing. Mary has chosen the better part, which will not be taken away from her. The Gospel of the Lord. Some amazing words about Christ. Paul says Christ is the image of the invisible God. When you see Jesus, you're, you, see, you see Almighty God. For in him all things in heaven and earth were created, things visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers. Everything came into being through him and for him. He himself is before all things, and in him all things hold together. And then these words. He is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, so that he might come to have first place in everything. For in him all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell. All the fullness, all the fullness. Not a part of it, not a, a bit of it, not a little tiny expression of it, but all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell. What Colossians is saying is God has come into our neighborhood. God has come to visit. And so it's interesting that we have two stories around that Colossians reading today of theophanies, of God coming to visit. These heavenly messengers in the first reading from Genesis 18, God seems to come and because here are these messengers, and all of a sudden, God is talking to Abraham. It's a really fascinating deal, but, but God is right there. God is visiting Abraham and Sarah, and so what do they do? They scramble, and they, they make a beautiful meal. Hospitality is, is everything in the Middle East. It's a beautiful thing about their culture, and we, we appreciate hospitality to some degree as well. It's not nearly as big of a deal as it is for them. When someone comes to your place, it's a big deal. And you receive them and welcome them. And so Abraham and Sarah do that, and they actually are doing hospitality for God. And then Martha and Mary, Jesus, comes around. And so they start, and they practice hospitality for Jesus. And remember who Jesus is. Colossians just told us that. For in him all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell. Christ is the image of the invisible God. Maybe they didn't quite know that. But that's 
what they were doing, even if they didn't. So, obviously, we got to talk today about how is it that we welcome, that we make a place for God when God comes to visit. What do we do? That's the first thing we think about, right? We think about what do we do to make a welcome, to get ourselves ready. The kids talked about what we do when someone comes to visit our house. It gives us extra motivation. Martha and Mary and Abraham and Sarah are all doing hospitality. How do we do that is the question. How does God want us to do that? Now, before we launch totally in that, there's a lot of levels to this Martha Mary story. Because it's not just about them, it's about how Jesus, what he does too. And we can't hear this story, even though I don't know that it's the main focus of the story, but we can't hear this story without holding up that what is happening in this story for someone in the first century to hear it would be incomprehensible. Women in Jesus' day could never take the posture of a student. And to kneel at someone's feet, to sit at their feet, was a way to say she went to class. That's what that means. Now, what does Jesus do? Does he say, oh, no, 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 Mary, you're out of place here. No, in fact, he celebrates what Mary's done as the best thing. When you look at the way Jesus related to, made room for women, and you compare it to what was said about women by Jewish leaders, by Greek leaders, by everyone in that culture, and for the thousand years before and the thousands of years after, it's absolutely mind-boggling. And it's something for which we in the church have struggled to catch up with Jesus for a long time. And we're still working on it. That's an important level of the story. But what if Mary and Martha, if they weren't women, maybe they were the two male disciples and, and we hear the story about Peter and John or something. I mean, it's still, it's about discipleship. Martha and Mary become followers of Jesus, just like the other disciples. It's really, I think, about discipleship, about what do you do, how do you make a place for Jesus and for God? Well, Martha is, is perfect. She's all of us. Because what Martha does is what we think to do. We better get busy. We better get to doing some things. And, you know, the church has been wonderful about talking to all of the followers of Jesus about all the stuff you're supposed to do. <laughs> Martin Luther struggled with the list that was given to him in his day about what he needed to do in his life for God to be able to be present for him, to, for him to actually be in the presence of God because God was righteous after all and Luther feared God's righteousness because he knew he wasn't. So let's get busy. 
Let's pray some more. Let's worship some more. Let's give some more. Let's go to the sacrament some more. Let's, you know, pay this indulgence or let's, let's do this or do that or do this so that God can be with us. It's Martha's all of us. It's what comes natural and it's not completely bad. But um, notice what Jesus says to Martha. It's really actually, um, the, the Greek word is interesting you're busy with many things is our translation, but really it almost has, you're in an uproar is the nuance of the word. You're in an uproar about many things. We've got to stop here and just ask, what are we in an uproar about? And what are we busy with in our culture? Well, we've got our work, our jobs, and it's good work. Some of us are blessed with occupations that, you know, just fit us like a glove and we, we feel like we're making a difference in those. Some of us, maybe less, some for some, our, our occupation is fundraising so we can do other things and bless other people. But, but we're, we, have, we have good work and we're, we're busy at that. And that's, and that's good. It's a big part of our lives. But in our culture today, which is interesting... We, um, we have lots of stuff to pay attention to, don't we? In the digital age, we've got TV. You know, when I grew up, we had three stations. I'm sounding really old now. Man, where did the years go? Three stations. And I can remember when it got to be, I don't know, 10 o'clock or 11 p.m., and the screen went blank. Now we have thousands of stations. We have Netflix and Hulu and Amazon Prime and many more that I don't even know about. We've got sports to watch. And then we've got our kids who are in sports and baseball to play and soccer to play and, and music lessons to go to and their school and their schooling. And we've got leisure opportunities. And now it's summer, finally. Actually, we shouldn't complain. We had a good May-June, didn't we? We've got our computers and we've got gaming. Try Googling the average amount of time that Someone in their teens or 20s spends gaming each day. Try Googling the average amount of time the average adult sits in front of their TV watching TV. But we've got other things to do, don't we? We've got feeding programs and we've got hearty meals and we've got all kinds of opportunities to love our neighbor and we've got our spouses and we've got our parents to care for and we've got our children to care for and our grandchildren to care for and to get them to doctor's appointments and to get to, um, you know, all of that. It's, it's important, good work. I had someone recently say, pastors, you've got it easy because, you know, what you do every day is working for the Lord. <laughs> My response is that pastors sometimes are in the most danger because we deal with the outside of holy things all the time. And it can just become busy stuff too. 
No one is protected from the uproar of all the things pressing in on us. All the things that are stressful sometimes, some of them are good and some of them aren't good. But man, those things can push out, push out something really important. It's the one thing Jesus said is needful. He looked at Martha and he said about Mary who's sitting at his feet, she has chosen the good, the best thing. What did she do? Well, sometimes we think about this story as, well, Martha's all worried about hospitality and Mary's doing that. But Mary is being hospitable too. Because the ultimate in hospitality is not to do, but to listen. When a prophet would come into your realm, into your place, I mean, you stop. And you listen. It's amazing what will happen if we stop and we listen. It's amazing what will happen with our neighbor and our relationships. But that's maybe a separate sermon. But my goodness, we need more listening today than talking. More listening and less talking. But Mary sits and listens, and that is the ultimate gift that you can give to a prophet and not hear a prophet, but God, God's self. I mean, so what about you and I? What do, in the midst of all of our busyness, and I think it's the biggest, most, the largest struggle of our time. I mean, our lives are so easy compared to people a long time ago. But they are much more complicated So what is the most important thing? It's no different than what Jesus said to Mary and Martha. One thing is the ideal thing, and Mary's doing it. And what is she doing? She's sitting at Jesus' feet, and she's hearing and listening. It's amazing what a gift you'll receive if you stop and listen to Jesus. When uh, my brother's daughter, Jessica, was visiting... You know, we were doing, busy doing lots of things, and it was a great trip, and it was a great visit, but it was super. At one point, we just stopped, and we actually had a chance to talk to each other. And you know what was really cool is that when you do that, you get a gift sometimes. And at that moment, Jessica pulled out my mom's Bible and said, you know what, this has been moving around, and I want you to have it. What a gift. Well, what happens for us when we sit at Jesus' feet? Well, we hear things like, I love you. I forgive you. What Jesus gives us when we sit at his feet is all of his righteousness, all of his beauty. Everything that is Christ becomes ours. And I know what you're probably thinking. You're thinking, that's just too crazy. That's too hard to believe. I know some of you have struggled with something in your life, your whole life, and you've come maybe to visit. You hear words of forgiveness, but it still haunts you. It still haunts you. It's just like too good to be true. Jesus, when I sit at your feet, you say you love me and you forgive me and you say I'm important. And I matter, and there's a place for me here. I mean, I, but I'm, did you know I'm this, I'm that, I've, I'm this, I'm that, and there's all kinds of things that, man, I just don't fit. 
And Jesus says, no, you're, you have a place here. And you think it's crazy. You know, Abraham and Sarah thought it was crazy too. What did Sarah do? <laughs> That's ridiculous. I'm going to have a child. You laugh, Sarah. No, I didn't. When I hear what Jesus says to each of you and me, I just kind of go, that's, 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 that's too much. But God says to us, is anything impossible for me? <laughs> if I can give a child to Abraham and Sarah, if I can raise Jesus from the dead, I can make a place for you guys. I can say, your sins are forgiven, and they're forgiven. So, know God's forgiveness if the lots of stuff has pushed out the time to sit at Jesus' feet. And as you've come to sit at his feet today, uh, receive that gift. Jesus loves you and is with you always. Amen.